This is the Dark History Project. Today, we're looking at Jack the Ripper, one of the original true crime killers people became obsessed with. This case has captivated historians, criminologists, and the public for over a century due to the killer's mysterious identity. The gruesome nature of the murders and the extensive media coverage that captivated the public even to this day. We'll take a look at the case from a different perspective and try to understand what times were like back then in London. We'll also take a look at the latest breakthroughs, potential suspects, and even conspiracy theories surrounding the case. Stay until the end so you not only understand this case, but also how Jack the Ripper launched a fascination and obsession with true crime. As most of you know, there is an obsession with true crime shows, books, and podcasts. Over 70% of Americans say they consume true crime material in some way. Now with social media, we even see the public acting as detectives looking for clues in video footage from current disappearances and murders. But what started this crave? Even myself, I'm not a fan of the genre, but every time I start watching a documentary or a new season of True Detective, I'm hooked. True crime stories can engage the audience's curiosity, fear, and fascination with the darker aspects of human nature. This can even be a coping mechanism or a way to distract ourselves from our daily lives. This obsession with true crime, it's nothing new. It's just that now we have so much material to consume that it's hard to escape it. But which case was the one that captivated all of us with true crime? In my opinion, it was Jack the Ripper. There are so many reasons why. From the media publishing the story to the cops having no idea who the killer was, and the public knowing the killer was out there, and not knowing who was going to be next. Let's review the case of Jack the Ripper. In the autumn of 1888, London's East End was plunged into a state of terror by a series of gruesome murders that would become one of the most infamous unsolved crimes in history. The case of Jack the Ripper, as the assailant came to be known, has captivated the imagination of the world for over a century, not just for the brutality of the crimes, but also for the mystery surrounding the identity of the killer. The origins of the case are rooted in the squalid streets of Whitechapel, a district notorious for poverty, vice, and overcrowding. It was against the backdrop of societal neglect and desperation that Jack the Ripper found his victims, women, who were often prostitutes, marginalized by society with few protections. The Ripper's killing spree began with the murder of Mary Ann Nichols on August 31, 1888, followed by others who were known as the Canonical Five. They were brutally murdered and mutilated, their bodies left in the darkened alleys and courtyards of Whitechapel. The murders sent shockwaves through Victorian London, highlighting not only the dire social conditions many lived in, but also the limitations of the police force at the time. The inability of the police to apprehend the killer led to widespread panic and fear, as well as fascination with the case that lasted for decades. The case of Jack the Ripper stands at the origins of true crime fascination, a haunting reminder of the capacity for evil to hide in plain sight. Let's try to understand 
how people were living back then. Work is backbreaking, wages meager, and the workhouse looms as a constant threat. Disease stalks every citizen, claiming children with chilling ease. Fear hangs heavy, not just from Jack the Ripper. Even before he was known as a threat, there was a daily struggle for survival. In this crucible of hardship and resilience, the Ripper's crime became not just individual tragedies, but a chilling symbol of the era's desperation. The victims of Jack the Ripper, often referred to as the Canonical Five, were Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. These women, whose lives tragically ended in 1888, were part of London's East End's most vulnerable populations, grappling with the harsh reality of poverty, which for many led to prostitution. Before judging, the times were extremely tough for everyone and many saw this as a way to literally survive. Marianne Nichols, found on August 31, 1888, was the Ripper's first recognized victim. Her murder set the grim pattern of brutality that would define the Ripper killings. Annie Chapman, murdered on September 8th, was discovered with similar throat cuts and abdominal mutilations, confirming fears of a serial killer at large. Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes were killed on the same night, September 30th, in what became known as the Double Event, escalating the public and police's panic. Mary Jane Kelly, the final victim, was found on November 9th in her room, her murder the most gruesome, indicating an increasing savagery. Now, something interesting is that all of the killings happened on weekends, which is why many believe Jack the Ripper had a regular job during the week. One of the many theories is that he was actually a physician. He was described as someone wearing a long black coat and a black top hat, leading many to believe he was a man of means. At the time, the public and police perception of the victims was complex. On the one hand, there was a deep sympathy for the women, whose lives were seen as pitiable and fraught with danger. On the other, Victorian attitudes toward women, especially those working as prostitutes, were often judgmental, complicating the police investigation and the public's response. The murders highlighted the dire social conditions many faced, sparking debates on morality, safety, and the role of the police protecting society's most vulnerable. You have to wonder if anyone saw anything that could have helped the police catch Jack the Ripper. But you also have to wonder if any witnesses would have kept the information to themselves and not have to explain what they were doing around the area that was known for prostitution. The police, under immense pressure to catch the killer, were criticized for their inability to protect these women and solve the case. The investigation was hampered by the limitations of forensic science at the time and possibly by biases regarding the victims' lifestyles. Public opinion was a mix of fear, fascination, and frustration with the Ripper's ability to evade capture, leading to widespread criticism of the police force's effectiveness. The victims of Jack the Ripper, through the tragedy of their deaths, inadvertently shed light on the social inequities of Victorian England, prompting a reevaluation of attitudes toward poverty, crime, and policing. 
Jack the Ripper was known for toying with police and the media, adding a chilling psychological dimension to his already brutal crimes. By sending taunting letters to local newspapers and the police, the Ripper created spectacle of terror that captivated and horrified Victorian London. The most infamous of these communications included the Dear Boss letter, which the killer mockingly referred to himself as Jack the Ripper, a moniker that would become globally recognized. If you were wondering where the name came from, this is it. He assigned it to himself. Another disturbing missive, the From Hell letter, was accompanied by a small package containing part of a human kidney, purportedly from one of his victims, further compounding the public's fear and fascination. These letters not only mocked the police's efforts to catch him, but also demonstrated a macabre desire to engage with and manipulate public perception. The media, eager for sensational stories, published these letters, amplifying the Ripper's infamy and the ensuing panic. This manipulation of the press and the police underscored the importance of Victorian law enforcement against such a cunning adversary and marked one of the earliest instances of a criminal exploiting the media to foster a terrifying legend. Now we know about other serial killers like BTK and the Zodiac Killer who sent notes to the police or newspapers confessing about what they did and even saying that they were not finished yet. The same modus operandi as Jack the Ripper. The Ripper's ability to evade capture while leaving a trail of correspondence showcased a darkly strategic mind, making his legacy as much about psychological terror as physical violence. There are countless theories and speculations about the identity of the elusive killer. Despite the passage of time, the fascination with the Ripper's true identity has only grown, leading to a myriad of theories ranging from plausible to outlandish. One of the most discussed suspects is Montague John Druitt, a barrister with a family history of mental illness who was found drowned shortly after the last murder. His own family suspected him of being the Ripper, which, coupled with his medical knowledge and the timing of his death, makes him a compelling candidate. Aaron Kosminski, a Polish barber with a history of mental illness, was another suspect identified by some contemporary accounts as a potential perpetrator due to his violent tendencies and residency in Whitechapel during the murders. Francis Tumblety, an American quack doctor who was in London at the time of the murders, has also been suggested as a potential suspect. His misogyny and collection of uteri taken from animals and humans made him a figure of suspicion, although concrete evidence linking him to the crimes is lacking. Among the more sensational theories is the idea that Jack the Ripper was a member of the British royal family, specifically Prince Albert Victor, Duke of Clarence and Avondale. This theory suggests that the murders were part of a cover-up orchestrated by the royal family, aiming to hide the prince's alleged relationships with commoners or prostitutes. However, this theory is widely discredited by historians for its lack of substantial evidence and implausible connections. Another intriguing conspiracy theory involves the Freemasons and the suggestion that the murders were ritualistic in nature, intended to cover up a secret or scandal involving high-ranking Masons. Proponents of this theory point to supposed Masonic symbols left at the crime scene 
or inferred from the manner of the killings, though these interpretations are often speculative and not supported by concrete evidence. The Ripperologists, as enthusiasts and scholars of the case are known, also explore the possibility that the Ripper might not have been a lone wolf, but rather several individuals working independently, which would explain the varying modus operandi and the sudden cessation of the murders. Despite the plethora of theories, the true identity of Jack the Ripper remains shrouded in mystery. Advances in forensic science, including DNA analysis, have offered new hope for resolution, but the passage of time and the degradation of evidence have so far prevented a definitive conclusion. Since the Jack the Ripper murders occurred in 1888, there have been periodic claims of case breaks and new evidence emerging that purportedly brings us closer to identifying the infamous killer. However, it's crucial to approach these claims with skepticism due to the significant passage of time, the degradation of physical evidence, and the reliance on historical documents that may not meet contemporary evidentiary standards. One of the more recent developments involved the use of DNA analysis. In 2019, a study claimed to have identified Aaron Kosminski, a Polish barber and one of the original suspects as the killer by examining the DNA from the shawl of Catherine Eddowes, one of the Ripper's victims. However, this claim has been met with criticism regarding the shawl's provenance and the contamination of DNA over more than a century, and the mythology of the analysis. While these breakthroughs generate considerable media attention and public interest, they often raise more questions than answers. The lack of definitive physical evidence, combined with the speculative nature of such findings, means that the Jack the Ripper case remains largely where it has been for over a century, an unsolved mystery. The Jack the Ripper case, with its blend of mystery, brutality, and media spectacle, has played a pivotal role in shaping the global fascination with true crime. Since the events in the autumn of 1888, it not only terrorized a city, but also captivated the imagination of the world. The killer's ability to evade capture, coupled with the sensational coverage in the press, transformed these horrific events into a morbid fascination that has endured for over a century. This case is often considered a foundational moment in the true crime genre making one of the first instances where a series of unsolved crimes received continuous and frenzied media attention. The public's appetite for details about the murders, the victims, and the investigations was insatiable, leading newspapers to sensationalize the events to boost circulation. This early form of true crime reporting laid the groundwork for how such cases would be covered in the future. This enduring intrigue demonstrates the complex relationship between society's revulsion at acts of violence and its compelling interest in the dark corners of the human psyche. The Ripper case, well, it not only became a staple of true crime literature and media, but has inspired countless adaptations in film, television, and fiction, cementing its place as a dark icon in popular culture worldwide. 136 years later, well, we doubt we'll ever solve the Ripper's identity or his true motives. All we can hope for is to never come across someone like Jack the Ripper.
Thank you for being with us for this episode of the Dark History Project. Please help us out by liking this video and don't forget to hit that subscribe button below. Please let us know what you think in the comments and tell us what topics you want us to cover for next time. We're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you can listen to podcasts. We hope you enjoyed it, and our next episode will come out soon. See you then.